Welcome to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messagy, Enneagram 6, Life Coach for Sixes. First, a little housekeeping. I messed up on when I'm going to offer the confidence course workshops. Don't save October 5th and 6th. That Don't do that. Save October 12th and 13th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Time. That's when those are going to be happening. There will be recordings for those of you who've been asking. Yes, absolutely. I would love to have you there to go through the things that I teach in the confidence course live and really help you start to apply some of these concepts in your life. So go ahead and get the confidence course, get on my email list, and you'll be in on all of that. You can also just go ahead and purchase the workshops as well. This episode is so wonderful. Anytime you have two sixes who are also coaches, you're going to get a ton of ways to frame things, actual, actionable tips. This episode I do with Paula Engebretson is no different. We really get into feelings and what to do with all these feelings and how to actually start to feel them and not just think about feeling them. Also have more choice around our whole experience with feelings. It's a really rich episode and I hope you enjoy it as much as I uh, do. Okay, talk soon. Hello, sixes. I'm back with a super fun interview, but I think also really useful. So my friend slash colleague, Paula Engebretson, I'm going to tell you all about in just a second. We are going to talk about feelings, as I've been talking about, and we're going to dig into, I think, kind of some of the how, right, Paul? Like, how do we actually do this? We both are coaches, so we'll talk about how we talk about this with our clients, because it's one thing to know that we uh, should feel our feelings, and it's a whole nother thing to actually do it especially as head types. So Paula is a six and she is an ADHD coach. She has ADHD. And one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this is because there's something particular about ADHD where emotions are even uh, bigger in the body, which I'm going to put a pin in that because I'm going to pick your brain on that a little bit, Paula. So I don't know. I have lots of great things to say about you. You're a really awesome person. You're a great coach. I know you coached me recently. Um, I took advantage of Paula does a sort of like, let's look at your executive functioning as part of her consultation process. And I, as a six, of course, I'm like, well, I want to do all the things. So I'm going to meet with Paula having full confidence that I was going to come through her uh, process with flying colors. And actually had the experience of like, oh, my brain doesn't (laughs) do a lot of the things that I maybe thought it did. So I also utilize you as um, just, you're just so full of resources. Paula has an incredible podcast, which we'll link to. Anyway, I've said a lot of things. This is Paula. Thank you for being here. Thank you you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Do you want to say anything about you and what you do? My yeah, so introduction was real. I mean, it was your introduction was phenomenal. Um, I work with ADHD brains. I have ADHD, and basically, we we work together to drop perfectionism, take action, and work with the ADHD brain to get things done. We've been so uh, so boxed into the neurotypical box of how we quote unquote should do things, and mm-hmm. most often that way just doesn't work for our brain. So we look for other ways to do it so we can do the things we most want to do. Yeah. Something that Paula and I share so deeply in our coaching philosophies is working with our brains and not against them. And I think, well, I know the neuroscience backs us up in this, right? What we know from neuroscience is being against ourselves to try to get things done, to try to be the people we want to be simply doesn't 
work. It is actually ineffectual. So, so we're right. <laughs> yep. It's science. It's science. It drains the executive functions. We have to work so much harder. It's just not effective. It's just not efficient. effective. And it's certainly not fun. And it's certainly what we've all been trying to do our whole probably adult lives to grow yes. and become the people we want to be is turn toward the parts of ourselves we don't like and try to beat against them. It doesn't work. So we're right. Moving on. One of the things that we have real issues with is our feelings. Yes. And by have issues with, what is it like for you? Let's talk personally real quick. How's yeah. your how's your life so, with your feelings, Paula? My feelings, I have I have a much better relationship with my feelings now. Uh yeah. but before before all the things, before I was diagnosed, I actually didn't really know I had feelings very much because I yep. just lived in my head and I thought about them a lot and yep. felt a general terrible. Like I knew that I either <laughs> felt good or bad. Totally. Or fine. <laughs> but mm -hmm. that was fine. about it. Always fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Yes. And uh, for me, it was all of my emotions were really tamped down very mm. far and controlled by anxiety, which I didn't really even realize was anxiety. I thought it was just how I lived my life. I was like, isn't that just how life is? Totally so, raising my hand over here. Oh, yes. Yeah. Then I got my diagnosis. I was um, 31 at the time and got my diagnosis and started learning about all the things ADHD, one of which is emotional dysregulation or emotional regulation is what we struggle with. We tend to get dysregulated uh, and really dove into the emotions of an ADHD era. And our turns out our feelings are real big in our body. <laughs> so okay, so I've I've learned to you know hang out here. So when we first started talking about all of this, which was a while ago at this point, huh. you said this thing that the emotions are actually bigger in the body for ADHDers. And I, of course, shocker, my skeptical 6 brain. It's like, what? First of all, how do they know that, right? This is, I'm like, I don't, what? So if you could talk me through that a little bit, yeah. I'd be interested. Yeah. So there's, there's different factors involved, you know, with the way the brain is wired, the chemistry inside of it. You know, for example, it's believed that uh, people with ADHD have lower levels of dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter in the brain. And that plays a big role in regulating our emotions. So when we have less dopamine, oh. it's going to impact that. Um, and then also in the structure of our brain, our, our we have an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex. Um, we have it impacts the uh, the structure, the function of our amygdala, which is yep. one of the regions that controls yep. our processing of emotions. So they're actually impacted, which has us feeling those emotions in our body. And we don't have, you know, that pause like a neurotypical yeah. does. Oh, do I want to react to this thing in this way? We tend to just do it, <laughs> which is the impulsivity um, that comes through. Okay. That was so cool. Thank you so much for that. Because I'm picturing it now. I can actually say, oh, okay, so it's maybe the emotions sort of start as the same thing, but there's less automatic regulators yes. that other yeah. people have built into their brain. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's exactly. so interesting. So it's like there's less guardrails. There's less internal yeah. guardrails for the emotions. Yes. So it exactly. takes more effort to uh, work with them, regulate them, all of that. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then one of There's, my... I was going to say, um, Ned Hallowell talks about the ADHD brain as a uh, Ferrari engine with bicycle brakes, meaning like we have this real fast yeah. energy, big emotion, and then it's real hard to stop or slow down yes. or pause in, in the experience of the emotion. Other things too, but when we think about emotions specifically, I like okay. that analogy. I had because I had heard that and I had not applied that to emotions. Okay, it's fascinating. So I'm learning as we're going. So I'm just like, ding, 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 ding. Like it's so cool. That's my brain doing things. That's what that sound was. I mean, that's what it sounds like. If you put a microphone up to it, you hear it. Right. Ding, ding, ding. ding. Yep. Yeah. Super fast. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's really cool. One of my big soapboxes is 
even though things are hard, we can do them. And I don't know if you have a similar belief. I mean, you're a life coach, so mm-hmm. it'd be weird if you didn't, but I do. Okay. So, because something that I work with a ton is with sixes, when we really kind of come to whatever the crux of the thing is, the brain so often says, oh, but that's really hard. And I am always like, yep. And what? So, and I just, oh, I think so often too, kind of what's in the, what's in the air as so many things are coming to light in such good ways. ADHD, for instance, how many adult women are now like, wait a minute, what? And there's this huge, I'm going to call it a movement, I don't know, of women who are realizing, maybe men too, but I'm, of course, tuned into what's happening for women because, of course, all the, well, you say say it, all the old school stuff was generally about young boys. It's about, yeah, that's what all the studies were done on was young boys. And so- Right. When you think ADHD and when all doctors, you know, before they start learning the new stuff, they, they're like, well, you're not an 11-year-old boy who can't sit still in their chair. So that can't be you. That can't be you. Exactly. So all this new stuff coming out about that, so much new stuff around trauma, complex trauma, all these things. And it's all so, so, so good. And of course, as a six, I automatically see the downside of things. And to me, one of the downsides is I just sometimes think we're letting these uh, really good things become reasons why we can't do hard things. And I don't know if it's just because I'm a Gen Xer and I'm like, listen, (laughs) we can uh, be the adults in the room. We can be the loving, kind adults to ourselves and to the things that are hard for us. So for me, that's part of what's also framing this conversation, right? Just because Mm -hmm. things are really hard doesn't mean anything except that it's hard. Right. And I do want to put in a caveat here for the ADHD brain, um, if you have any ADHDers listening, which is uh, we can really use this. We've probably been using this against ourselves our whole lives, which is I should just be able to do this though. If I just tried totally. harder, because that's what we've been told our exactly. whole lives. Exactly. Well, you have so much potential. If you would just apply yourself, if you would just yes. try a little harder, if you would just. Yes. And so I want to make sure people aren't hearing that you should just try harder and then you should be able to do it and beat yourself up because of that. I think there's a difference, like a nuanced difference here between, oh, I'm challenging myself. This is my growth edge. How do I support myself with tools that work for me versus, oh, well, suck it up and get it done this way because you're supposed to. This is the nuance that I'm here for. I mean, I literally have chills in my body because this is exactly the conversations I want to be having. Right? How do we actually invite ourselves into challenge without that stick? That stick that we were all given that most of us, I mean, I don't think I know anyone who doesn't have that stick in their head because this is culture. Mm-hmm. This is what our culture offers. Oh, you know yep. what? Just try harder. Just do better. And you should already be able to do it. So mm-hmm. what's wrong with you? Like, Most of us have that living in our bodies already. So when we come to things that are hard, we're kind of building a whole new part of us that's like uh, this whole compassionate, encouraging. I mean, this this is what coaches are, right? This is the sort of place we get to stand in society right now is I know it's hard and I know you don't know how. And of course you don't know how. Of course this makes so much sense for you. And... Let's take it up and figure it out. Right. Right. That maybe we can. And what would that yes. be like? And if we could do that with kindness and um, courage, so much courage, right? Oh my gosh. And a big one that I, one of my soapboxes is is this something you actually want to do? Yes. Is this a full body yes? Or is this an intellectual should? Because we have also adopted so many rules that we should be doing and how we should be living our lives. But if it is not a full body yes, 
especially for my ADHDers who are interest-based motivators. Like, what does no. interest-based mean? Like, are you actually interested in this thing? Do you have... Oh, interest-based. I, interest I thought you said interest-based. Yeah. I thought we went on a oh, whole no. new journey. <laughs> Welcome. No, no. no interest-based. Totally. Yeah. Like, are you actually interested in this or are you shooting yourself because Hello. somebody said you should on yeah. Instagram? No. And this is all sixes as well. Um, yeah. Okay. What you just said... This is one of the reasons to learn how to feel your feelings. Because how do you know if something is a full body yes or just something in your head if you don't know how to be with your body? Yeah. Right? Okay. We are so speaking. Because otherwise you spin. You spin in your head. Otherwise you just spin in your head. Yep. Because how would you know? All of us sixes are professional at. (laughs) Exactly. And just getting into that argument. Just keeping everything at the head level. Yeah. This, but this, but this, but this, but this. And then we just stay and we stay and we stay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That was, that was, that was better than I could have imagined, Paulo. I think we really set the stage here for what we're, you know, Boom. both about and what we're trying to help people do. And I, uh, what I think probably individually we've each had to forge, right? This, mm-hmm. this whole thing of how do I invite myself into growth work, into how I want to be in the world and not, attempt to flagellate myself to get there. <laughs> and then turns just, out it's way more fun the other way. Turns out it's way more fun the other way. Yeah, absolutely. And possible, doable, mm-hmm. but also not easy. No, 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 no one's here saying any of this stuff's easy. Nope. Okay. So I'm looking, I'm looking at my notes. Um, So, so far so good. Mm-hmm. I have a really hard time staying on track. I do. Um, I, I have some of these tendencies. Paula and I've talked about this a lot. I lean on Paula quite a bit. So I'm like, I can't plan things. I can't do it. And she's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, okay. That's okay. <laughs> how do I How do I do that? Um, the interest-based thing. Okay. I'm not going to go down rabbit holes. I'm going to look at my notes. I'm going to see what we're doing. So let's talk about what we do instead of feeling our feelings. One of them we already touched on. Intellectualizing feelings is not the same as feeling feelings. Mm-hmm. I think yep. this is real confusing for people. Yeah. Do you have an example? So intellectualizing, I tend to see this where people will look to justify all the feelings of like really talk through and explain why it makes sense. And here's yes. all the reasons. And here's why I think this. And then they yes. might, you know, like, whole opinions of everyone else to hear what they have to say. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how I tend to see the intellectualizing is just really getting up in your head and making a clear, solid argument with bullet points of why it makes sense you're feeling this way. I totally agree with that. Yep, absolutely. Also, because we want people to agree with us. Like you said, it's really looking for the external validation of whatever is happening inside of me. Right. Yes. Because it's big and it's scary and we don't want it. And we certainly, we certainly would not imagine that our body was just doing that to us. Right. I think this is the other thing. And this is what I talk about with sixes all the time is why would we do something to ourselves that hurts so much or that is so scary to us? Our brain automatically is like, well, clearly someone else or some circumstance or something is doing that to me because I would never do that to myself. Right. Yeah. Do you find that like in your own? This has been a huge part of my development. I literally mm-hmm. said to my husband when I was really honing this idea that my feelings were generated inside of me, I was so upset about something. Luckily, it wasn't him in this particular example, so we could actually talk about it. I said, why would I do this to myself? I was so genuinely curious and and I was I was so upset but I was like I I can't imagine that I would create this emotion myself. I can't imagine I would do it. So I yeah. don't know, have you had any of that experience? Oh yeah, for sure. And for me, it was more like a fascination that it wasn't the other thing causing it. So I think I didn't yeah. turn inward. It was more like but how could it possibly be that it's not 
what my husband said that's making me feel like obviously that's right. what's making me feel this way. Right. Um, so I think we're, it's like the same thing. We're just it's the same thing. And I have in, those with him too. I literally have a memory. Again, same time period. I was really trying to like suss this out, really trying to own my own emotions. And he said something. I was immediately livid. And I remember having my head in, I opened the refrigerator. I just remember looking in the refrigerator and saying, apparently it isn't what you just said is making me feel the way I'm feeling. I mean, this poor guy during this time of my learning, because I would say yes. things like this, like, I guess what you just did isn't the problem here. And he would just sit there and look at me like deer in the headlights. I was really yes. trying. You know what, though? I was thinking about this. I And I, if I take us off on a different path, do. you can bring Please me do. back. Yes. But when I was thinking about our conversation, I was thinking about, you know what we what we can do right and one of the things that i often work on with my clients is identifying ahead of time the areas where you do feel often dysregulated or yeah. when the the big emotions come up and um what what made me think of this is for me one of the biggest ones all the time is transitions so oh. when i am done with work and i'm going into my home brain because it's the same place I work from home. It's mm -hmm. so uncomfortable for my body that I'm crabby. Like I'm just crabby and I know it's going to happen. So I have my routines to help me shift and move through it. Yeah. Um, and knowing this, this just was yesterday, Sunday. Yeah. Yesterday. Like was I, it? Uh, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> we won't even get into time blindness, no, um, no. but <clears throat> I was went to my parents' house with my husband for brunch, and it was a lovely brunch. And we drove home, great drive home. And then I walked in the door, and I was like so crabby, and I was just wanting to pick a fight. I knew that I like anything that came out of his mouth, it was going to be wrong. Okay, but so insightful because first of all. I have the awareness, yep. right? I yep. was like, oh, I feel this. And I've practiced dropping in my body. I know how the transition discomfort feels for yes. me. And I'm like, oh, that's this. I need to go into a different room and crochet or something so that I can be with this feeling because it's, it's definitely not Ryan. He's just existing so next wise. to me. Okay. So in that moment, you knew it wasn't him. I did, but you only learned. after years of practice. Right. <laughs> And one yeah. of the ways to gain awareness of this, I really do think, is when are the times when it happens when actually nothing happened? Mm -hmm. That's that is so insightful to ourselves, I think. When yeah. because it's so obvious when we can clearly pin it on something else. But when does it happen when nothing happened? Exactly. Like building it, awareness. The work day ended. Why am I so angry? Like that's it. Exactly. The work day ended. Literally well, nothing knowing, has happened knowing it happens every day. I mean, I have definitely similar transition things. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm trying so hard to not go down so many rabbit holes because the other thing that popped, I'm just going to say it. One of the things that pops up that we could just call it the five o'clock time, whatever transition from work to yeah. home is when a lot of people drink. Mm -hmm. I used to totally be a five o'clock drinker and I didn't even want to be, but I couldn't, I didn't have awareness of the discomfort in my body during that transition, that that's what I was managing. Right. I didn't know that there were things I could do to manage that discomfort, tips, tricks, tools, all the things that could then just kind of get me over that hump. And then I could actually choose because what was bothering me was it wasn't a choice. It didn't feel yes. like. Because it yes. was. Yeah. And, and when you have a family... Right. You have all the people in transition, like getting home from school, trying to do homework. People oh are hangry, trying to get dinner. Right? Like that's all transition that is yeah. just miserable for a brain. And literally now, can I just tell you that my kids are in middle school? That is all converging at literally the same time of day. It's oh, bananas. Yeah. yeah. But we're actually doing pretty well because I've got some skills on board. <laughs> I know a thing or two. Okay. Another thing that we do if we don't really know how to feel feelings is we avoid doing things that we know are going to create feelings. This is kind of a tragedy because how many things in our lives, how many people do we know 
ourselves included, things that we've not done in our lives because subconsciously, I think consciously the brain tells us, well, don't do that because X, Y, Z. Subconsciously, how often is it I don't want to experience, I don't want to contact an emotion? Yeah. I think all the time. (laughs) Yes, me too. I think that it's so, especially when you, now this is ADHD specific, but I think that people can relate to this on many levels. Um, This idea of rejection sensitivity, where we are extremely sensitive to rejection, Uh, perceived rejection, actual rejection, constructive feedback, somebody didn't text you back, somebody looked at you maybe, rejection. And so to your, your point, when we're we're avoiding these emotions or this feeling of potential rejection, we start playing a much smaller game. We don't reach out. We don't connect. We don't apply for the whatever. We don't join the club or, you know, because there's this fear of having to experience whatever that emotion could be on the other side. But our brain doesn't tell us the truth about that. And this is one of the most powerful things I think about coaching is, you know, we become real truth tellers. And so Mm -hmm. if your brain said to you, well, I don't want to do that thing because if this happens, we're going to feel embarrassed. If we told ourselves the truth, we could actually work with that, Mm -hmm. which, hello, this is what we do in coaching, right? So, okay, well, let's talk about what it feels like to feel embarrassed. What if you could withstand those sensations. And we start to actually pull the whole thing apart. We slow down time enough to actually look at what's going on. Our brain doesn't tell us that. Our brain says, well, they're terrible, or I don't have the skills, or da-da-da. It gives us some logic, right? Some Mm -hmm. cohesive narrative. And I think when we can really slow things down and look at what we're actually avoiding, it opens up again that choice piece. It opens up at least a possibility because a lot of people I work with, even when they see the feeling, they say, I'm not going to walk toward that feeling. It is Mm -hmm. too scary. And then we're doing that work. Some people, when they see that it's a feeling, are like, oh, I I didn't know that. I didn't know that I was avoiding a feeling. So I don't know. You know, one of the things that I think can be really useful with that, especially if there's like the fear of feeling it, is I tend to think about This is 60 territory. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) welcome. Um, But thinking about how we actually want to feel these emotions, if we're going to watch a good movie or read a good book, you're never like, oh, it was so great. I was really boring and didn't feel anything. No, you're like, you got to watch this movie. It, I bawled my eyes out. It was amazing. Or Although like, I will say there are a lot of, this is not a six thing I relate to, but a lot of sixes will only watch content that they know for this reason. Mm-hmm. They want to watch things that are predictable. They want to watch things. So I think this is just kind of proving the point even more. So Yes, on the one hand, sometimes we really do want to feel the feelings in a controlled environment. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to watch a movie, I'm going all in. And sometimes we even choose our movies that way, right? Like, I don't want to go on the whole dramatic deal. I want to go on this emotional journey. So give me, you get to choose. So yes, I think that's excellent. And also, some people don't. They really just try to set up their lives so that there is such a level of predictability and, but it's emotional predictability. And that's interesting. Is it true? Like, because I actually am, I tend to watch the same movies okay, over yeah. and over, but I cry every time. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's not a surprise. I'm like, oh, for sure. I'm going to cry in this movie. Do you 100%. know that you're choosing it? And maybe not solely, of course, but do you know part of it is for the emotional journey? Yeah, I think it is, especially so especially if I should use books because that's more dry for me. But like if I'm going on a journey with these characters and I know there's going to be like I'm going to be tackling with laughter and then bawling my eyes out on the other side, I am like, I am in. This is the best journey ever. So but I'm choosing it. But you're choosing it, which feels controlled. 
Right. And it's I for me, it's this, it's a good reminder for my brain of like, okay, but I can handle that. Like so even good. if you you're not choosing it, but you've watched a sad movie before and you've really cried, that's yeah. beautiful evidence for your brain that's like, mm. but we can do that. It that's actually wasn't so that scary. Good. We could be yeah. in that. Okay. I'm like processing so much as we're talking. I'm like, yes, yes. So one of the tips we could say is to find evidence. How would you say it? Of times you have felt the feelings, of times you yeah. have experienced big emotion and you right. were you were okay. And, and maybe even reason, you wanted it. I like this. Yeah. Like the reason why I really like non-real life, exa- like books, movies, whatever, is because usually when you're watching it, there's not part of your brain going, I shouldn't be, something's gone wrong. It's like, no, totally. of course you're crying. Totally. You're sad. It's a yes. sad part of the movie or a sad part of the, of course you're crying. So there's not this, like, I need to fix this quickly. Yeah. It's like, no, the main character just got sick or whatever. Like, of course you're sad. This is one of the most interesting things about the way brains spin narrative around emotion. Mm-hmm. So often our brain says exactly what you just said. If we feel anything that we deem negative in our body, our brain says something has gone terribly wrong. And then we're immediately looking for whose fault is it, mm-hmm. right? It's my fault or it's your fault. Someone's to blame for yep. the experience. Shame or blame. The blamey shamies, call them yep. over here. And what we forget is that it is really important and appropriate to have access to appropriate emotions for various things. Yeah. Like you just said, when we're watching something or reading something, we're, we allow ourselves the journey and the emotion because we know it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Of course, I want to feel sad when sad things happen. Of course, I want to be able to feel scared when it's appropriate to feel scared. Of course, I want to be able to feel angry. I mean, that's a whole separate emotion that we could talk about. But of course, I want to be able to feel the appropriate emotion when it's time to do that. I think that is such a good reminder for our brains. You know, like the people who go on roller coasters, you feel anxiety beforehand, right? Or you go to a haunted house. The people who go on, is that not you? (laughs) That is not me. I get sick. (laughs) That is is not for me. And I do not do not do scary things because I don't like it. But uh, that's because I have way too active of an imagination and I never stop scaring myself, which I learned from your podcast. Oh my gosh. Oh, thank you for remembering that. Okay. So Paula (laughs) listens to my podcast, which is totally, it's so funny. I'm like, don't listen. Hilarious. (laughs) Um, But she listened to last week's, the last couple episodes when I've been talking about self-scaring and your brain was like, okay, Kristen, I hear what you're saying, but I don't really relate. I'm not seeing the self-scaring. And then last week's episode that I did with Nicole, what happened for you? Yeah. So first of all, I loved it because it was so real. And then I was like, oh, so you mean how my brain is every day all the time? Turns out I do this always. I just didn't know that I was self-scaring. I thought it was just my brain existing. Totally. I can so relate to that. I really, the whole like learning I was a six and all this stuff, I did not relate to worst case scenarioing things. I did not relate to being fearful. It's really been a journey like, oh, my brain does that all the time. I literally just didn't, I literally just didn't know it. I did not have awareness. Mm-hmm. I thought yep. I was just accurately, you know, reflecting. I thought I was just being prepared. I thought I was just being prepared. Gosh, oh, that was so good. I loved that. Oh, I have an RSD example, rejection sensitive dysphoria. So when I asked you, you said, I love the podcast. I texted back, did you laugh? And immediately my brain said, why did you ask her that? That's such an aggressive question. What if she didn't laugh? It's fine if she didn't laugh. Now she's in a position of either saying, yes, yes, Chris and I laughed or No, but I still liked it. My brain did this whole narrative around just me asking you that. Isn't that a good example of it? That's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. And it's one that, again, we would just over, like, you don't notice it. When you think of rejection sensitivity, people are like, 
oh yeah, well, if you don't get the job or something, of course you feel rejected. No, it is everything. It's, it's everything. You send a text and you reject yourself and beat yourself up before someone yes. even has a chance to respond. Yes. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's everywhere. Okay, so I want to hang out here, not to say that all of us have particular rejection sense of dysphoria. This is also correlated with general anxiety and Mm -hmm. social anxiety. One of the differences in my three seconds of research I did on this, so please don't email me and tell me I'm getting it wrong, is a lot of the RSD stuff can happen after the fact. So there's like the before, I'm scared to do something, I'm nervous to do something. I don't generally have that. I kind Mm -hmm. of barrel forward in my life. But every time I do anything at all, my brain offers me, like you just said it, I reject myself immediately Mm -hmm. and all the time. Yep. Yep. So I want to talk about what I do about that. Yeah. Because how do I navigate that? So using this example with you, I sent the text, did you laugh? (laughs) My brain was like, wow. That is a really extreme, aggressive thing you just did. Probably Paula doesn't like you anymore. (laughs) And I, this, I just can't even emphasize this enough. The difference between, let's call it before and currently, is I saw my brain do that. That's step one, right? Mm -hmm. I saw my brain offer me really painful thoughts because I didn't avoid the emotion just because I saw it was like an instant. Yep. Um, like a flood, probably mm-hmm. it's probably a shame thing, yep. right? Kind of covers, kind of makes you want to hide, kind of runs through my body. So one, I notice it. Two, I don't resist the sensations. I know what that is. Mm-hmm. I have felt it so many times. And I know if I resist it, I can literally feel it in my body right now. It would get bigger. If I tighten, so it's this is a physical thing I'm describing. If I tighten up against those sensations, which that would be an automatic protective mechanism, I can totally understand why that would happen. It's going to keep going. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to get in a bigger fight with myself about my friendship with Paula. And now it's probably over. Like it's going to grow. It's going to become this like monster. And I'm going to be sweating and nervous until Paula responds. I might even, which I didn't do, but of course my brain offered, you need to explain to Paula now. Oh, it's okay if you didn't laugh. I shouldn't have said that. And that, how many of you can relate to this? Like over, you know, then we're stuck in this cycle of like, oh, why did I send that second text? Why did I do this? Why did I send that follow-up email? I mean, I'm hopeful that you're not the only one relating to this, Paula. I'm sure you're not. Yeah. So instead of all that, I literally just like, I like, opened up my body to let the sensations move through. I put my phone down, got on with my life. Later on, of course, Paula was like, uh, yes, I laughed. It was hilarious because it's really hilarious. <laughs> and you shall listen if you haven't heard it. Is. it. Go listen next. <laughs> those are some very specific steps of what I do in those moments. And I'm having those moments all of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you do it? I mean, exactly what you just described. That's how mm-hmm. I how I do it too. And I really think it's a building of capacity yeah. to be with that discomfort. Totally. Um, and I I love the way you said it of like, oh, I know this feeling. Oh yeah. I've been here before. Yep. This is familiar. And that's all because you've done that work of learning to get out of your head and drop in your body. So you actually know what it is yeah. of how there's that flooding sensation for you. Yeah. It, like it's you when you're pointing, it was like down lower toward your gut yeah. area and then like this rising up. So knowing that and then the wanting to curl inward, um, yes. that familiarity is everything. And it's and, very different than focusing on the fact that my brain does that and wanting it to not do that. Right. Saying and it this, shouldn't. That's right. This, so this is going back to how we opened. I feel like this is what we mean by working with our brains rather than against them. I could spend a lot of time being really sad that my brain does that. I mean, it sucks. It's really mean. It really creates, um, well, just a lot in my mm-hmm. in my system. 
I could spend a lot of time being like, I wish my brain didn't do that. I wish it did something different. Why does it do that? I want a different automatic first response on and on and on and on and on. I've kind of just given that up. I've accepted my brain does these mean things to me pretty regularly. Yeah. And and that piece of work, I don't know, do you help your clients with that? I'm sure you do. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I I tend to have kind of a set of sentences even that you can go like, oh, this is the part where my brain has decided I did it wrong. This, this is, that is part the part of where the interaction. Yeah, that's my favorite line. Like this okay, is the part where dot, hang out dot, here dot. for a second because this is genius and brilliant. I forget this one. So talk me through it. Yeah. So if if you we'll use your example, right? Like you sent the text and then you had the flood come over, and then you simply name what is happening as if it's part of a story. Like, oh, it's this is or this part of the movie. Remember this part? It always happens. Yes. So this is the part where I've decided our friendship is over because <laughs> I asked this question. And even when we say it out loud, that can be enough to like shock the brain. Like, but yes. is, is that really it? Yes. <laughs> and, but sometimes it still feels really real, right? Like, oh, no, oh, and it did in this case. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay. And breathing through it, being with it, and you really—it's like doing the reps. You really get yeah, it better. Is so at it. about doing the reps, it's so and is yeah. having a name for it. You know, like oh, for at least for me, because mm-hmm. I know that I deal with rejection sensitivity. It's oh, this is most likely my rejection sensitivity talking. Right. For me, I'll I'll tend to check in if I can twenty four hours later. How oh, am I good. feeling today? Mm-hmm. Is is it still as intense? Usually, it's I haven't. It's like no. It's so much less, so That's much right. less intense. I have so much more clarity. The text has finally come back in or <laughs> whatever. That's um, really good. So, yeah. And then are you able to, um, how would you say you kind of shelve it so that you can get through the next 24 hours before you kind of recheck in? Is that again for you doing the reps? It is Me too. Uh, because Me too. generally, what's that? I'm saying me too. Yeah. 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 It's going to come up. It'll come yep. in waves. Yeah. And I'll notice it. I'll go, oh, this is that part again. But remember, and for me, there's a lot of power in putting a container of time around it. I know, but we're going to check in at 730 tomorrow. Remember? Totally. That's when we're yes. going to see if this is actually an issue or not. <laughs> or this if we're is... just in this rejection sens- sensitivity thing right now. Giving the brain parameters and containers is so critical. I'll do this even mid coaching when I'm, you know, trying to help a client consider something new. I'll say, let's tell your brain, you can come right back to this. You can come right back to this skepticism, to this experience, to this thought, like it's not going anywhere. You still get it if you want it. So that just allows the brain to say, oh, okay. Like she's not trying to get rid of me entirely. She's not trying to, because when we're talking about change work, we are trying to ask parts of us to not necessarily vanish, but we are asking them to kind of stand down, to maybe take a different Mm -hmm. role in our whole system setup. We are asking them to do something different. So when we can acknowledge them in that way, I feel like we get so much more cooperation. Yeah. We get so much more movement. Right. And to your point, sometimes, like, I'm not going to say I can always just say, oh, this is that part, and then I'm fine, and I can oh, yeah, move no, on to the next thing. No. And so that's when I actually like to check in with that part. Like, where is it real yes. big in my body? Yes. And breathing with it and going, hey, what do you what do you need right now? How can I support you? Do you need connection with someone? Do you need to go mm-hmm. snuggle your dog? Do you need to mm-hmm. go for a walk? Do you need to listen to some music? What do you need to like get in your body and move through whatever this is? How can I support you? That's and really good. Listen are, for that answer. Are those some of your favorites? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's usually um, going with Bruno. My dog is Bruno. So snuggling with Bruno, uh, getting outside mm-hmm. and dancing. So a lot of times it's like moving, turning on yep. music, moving my body, or it's crying. Like I am a big crier. So it might just be like, I just need 
to cry or I need a break, just some rest to not think about other things, you know, just space. That is me too. And the crying piece, I will often, like I have particular songs that I know will make me cry. If I've got like some stuck emotion, I have particular Mm -hmm. songs that I know I can just like really shake stuff out to. I have ways to move energy through my body, even if I can't totally name it. This is sadness. This is whatever. I just can tell when I have energy that needs to move. Yes. Giving you permission to move Mm -hmm. and avenues, which we cannot do when we just stay up in our head. And I'll say that for me, it took me a while to find those avenues because I was so in my head. I didn't know how to drop into my body. People were like, drop in your body. I'm like, I don't, what do you mean? I know. What? Does that even mean? And so for me, the first, my doorway into feeling anything was through breath work, which is not for everybody. But for me, that's what kind of cracked me open. And then I was able to drop in much easier. So now I can use music and dance and yoga and just like sitting and crying. (laughs) Now I'm just like a faucet that's always on. Um, (laughs) It's fine. But yeah, it takes some time to find what it is. Okay. You started with breath work, like official, like go to a class, have a person, yeah. or was it do some box breathing? What was your breath work journey? Yeah. So um, I was working with another coach who did uh, breath work or she started using it and she re- referred me to her teacher. And so okay. it's it's not like, you know, the intense Wim Hof type of breathing. It's not oh. where you hyperventilate yourself. That stuff, I can't, that's not for me. This is, it's just like a three-part breath that you do to a meditation. Uh, It's much more gentle. And for me, that's what really allowed me to get out of my, because, and again, this is, might be more just because of my ADHD, but it allowed, it was enough for me to focus on of like the breath and the meditation that I could actually stop thinking. Yeah, in meditation, it's like just watch your thoughts, and I'm like, no. If I do that, I'm planning my day. I'm thinking about dinner. I'm like, I can't just quiet my mind. I need something to be doing. So that's why breath work was really supportive for me. But that's really good. Okay, do you have the ability to watch your thoughts like detached from you? Do you did it, that it, take it time? Took a lot of practice. Yeah. Me too. Uh, that was what I my did. My thoughts first. go real fast. Oh gosh. Hello. Yes. Oh my gosh. So fast. Yeah. So fast. That yeah. was my first um real approach. Was mm-hmm. I went thoughts first. And then yes. I assumed that's what everybody did. Hello. Things we learn when we work with other people, right? We're like, oh, wait. Can you tell me your process? Like, what do you do? How do you how does thoughts first work? I have you? a really strong ability to watch my thinking. That's just what made the most sense to me in the beginning of sort Mm -hmm. of, I would say, my own coaching journey. I was like, oh, watch your thoughts. I could see them. I started meditating at the same time. It was a shit show, but I did it every day for 10 minutes for a long time. I still do, you know, in and out of regularity, but I love it. So I really, I feel like I see my mean thoughts, I know where they are. They're up and to the left. The fact that mm. I know where they hang out really helps me identify like, oh, there's my critic. Oh, there's those killer thoughts. They literally show up like on a reader board mm-hmm. up and to the left. I ask my clients this all the time, like, where is that thought? They're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But even questions like that turn on a different part of the brain. A question mm-hmm. like that literally interrupts the automatic blah, 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 blah. And your brain goes, huh? And you start to have a different experience, right? That's one way to stop the train is to have someone ask you a really weird question (laughs) about where is that happening? What are you talking about? So I got just really, really, really good at that. And then I was like, oh, now I need to learn how to feel my feelings. This is just how I operate. I take a project Mm -hmm. and I hone in on that project. So I did it very sequentially. And that's I love that. Docker, how my program is crafted is there's all this stuff around thinking, and then we go into feelings, and then we go into more embodiment stuff. But I don't know, that's how I operate. So when I was like, it's time to learn how to feel feelings, 
I learned how to feel feelings. I just was like, this is what I'm doing now. What are these sensations? And I have found that is not how people do it. But we all you have do, our way. And it works. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because then when I had, because then I think it's part of my, like I want to accomplish something. I feel like then mm-hmm. I get to say, oh, I learned how to do this thing. I mean, I really like to, I don't know. I never thought of myself as like a goal-oriented person until I started coaching. Mm-hmm. And I still really struggle with that a lot. But I do like to give myself a, you learned a thing. You're doing, yeah. doing good work. Well, and you're giving yourself a clear path, right? It's yes. not just like, well, let's just always feel our feelings. It's like, no, I'm going to learn how to do this yeah, so that I can do it. Yeah. I also saw that it was the thing that was standing in the way for so many of my clients. And mm-hmm. I'm one of those coaches that I just hold a belief that we can take people as far as we've gone. Yeah. And that, I don't know if there's any truth in that or not, but it's a belief that really has me working very hard on my own self <laughs> mm-hmm. in ways I've yep. really benefited from. I just, that just made sense to me. I was like, oh no, if I'm going to ask people to do this, I better be real sure I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And into the body I went in, and probably kind of a brute force way, but I tend to operate in somewhat of a All or nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. All yep. or nothing. Exactly. Okay. I don't even know what's going on. It's I'm enjoying this conversation so much. Do probably we're coming to some sort of natural conclusion. Yeah. You know, I have one thing that I want to offer that I'm thinking is because we were just talking about like some of the ways that I go into the body, some of the ways you go into the the body and the emotions. And one of the big pushbacks that I get uh, about this is like, but what if it's so big? I don't know how to handle it. Or, oh yeah, yeah. Or I'm like really afraid of it. Like, what if it's too big? And I like to think about this through. Um, some people talk about talk about it as like titration of dropping just in say, just a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And I have an analogy, which is if you take like a a soda bottle, right, and you shake it up, it's going to have a ton of pressure in it, right. Yep. And if you just screw off the top, it's the soda like sprays everywhere. Okay. Yes. What we want to do with a shaken up soda bottle is do a little open and like, and then you close it back up and do another one. And you can maybe do it a little longer because the pressure is a little bit less. And you do that until the fizz has gone down and you can just be with the soda without it spilling all over. And I think about that with our emotions. So if somebody listening is like, but no, I have this anger that's like real big. If I, if I open it up, it will explode everywhere. Uh, Just drop in with like a little screw of the cap, right? Just go in a little bit, close it back up. So then you can tip, dip in a little more. Yeah. So how do we do that? So one thing that I teach my clients is bilateral stimulation, things like this. Do you do any of that work in mm-hmm. your... So literally passing something, so literally holding something and you pass it back and forth across the midline of the body. And mm-hmm. this it takes the like locked in thing that's happening and it stimulates both sides of the brain. And there's so many ways to do this stuff. There's like actual, simple, physical things we can do to help stimulate both sides of the brain. And the whole thing that's happening just kind of starts to loosen a little bit to your point. Mm-hmm. We, get, we can release a little bit of the intensity and then we get some choice in the matter. Because I think what the fear is and what actually can happen is getting lost in the feeling or the feeling like you're saying, becoming so big that we then just act it out or spews all over the place. Kim, loving Mm -hmm. your analogy with the soda. So what are actual ways to just have a little bit? Yeah. The bilateral stimulation is one that I use a lot. Mm-hmm. In session, what I'll do a lot of times is, you know, let's find that feeling and then let's find a part of your body that's totally neutral. Yes. You do this one too? Okay. That's when I we're gonna, use a lot. Yeah. We're going to go back and forth. Here's where mm-hmm. the really intense stuff is. And how's that kneecap doing? Right? That part mm-hmm. of the body where it's just like not much is happening. And yep. we're actually able to utilize our body to hold more of this sensation. Yeah. Or you could, um, you know, 
if you have, again, I like to snuggle up with Bruno because that's like comfort. And then I'll titrate between like the tension in my chest and like the soft ear of Bruno's ear or whatever. Or like if you hug a pillow, right? And you have like the softness of the pillow or a warm blanket, just something that's pleasurable. Yes. Against their, or, you know, with the thing that's less comfortable. (laughs) Yeah. I do a lot of um, pillow hugging and just like squeezing against the pillow too. Or Mm -hmm. if it's anger, a lot of pressing like against a wall. It's like you're kind of releasing some of it, but you're also getting what you kind of want when you're angry, which is like Mm -hmm. some intensity and like a place to put it. Yep. There's just, oh, there's just so many things we can do, which I'm so glad you brought this up because to just dive in, um, can be totally overwhelming. And then Mm -hmm. our fear is we'll never come out. That's what our brain says. Yep. And it can, it can be just totally dysregulating too. Right. Yeah. Drop into the body or just to go ahead and let the emotion take over. I also suggest always start with small things. Yes. Start small. small. We know this with weights, right? If we're going to go to the gym, which i could do that someday. That'd be good for me. But if I went, I would start with small weights that I could lift. Because if I went to whatever my goal might be, I would not be able to pick it up. And it makes so much sense to us when we think of muscles in that way. Mm -hmm. Don't give our internal systems that same sort of sense-making grace. Yeah. Like I got to start small. Start with when you're, if you're, if it's anger, start with like frustration irritation yes. get to know when you're irritated and frustrated as opposed to just about to blow or mm-hmm. start to notice when you're just feeling a little like a little bit of a down mood mm-hmm. pay attention to that give that some space yeah oh I'm feeling a little bummed as opposed to when things are just you know the bottom's going to drop out right because I think we just don't notice our emotions when they're small unless we it's practice. true yes yep and so even if people wanted like a specific exercise, you know, it would be check in, set some sort of a reminder and check in with whatever emotion is you're feeling right now. This is our productivity it. coach coming in. I'm like, yes, right. Paula, that's such a set good a timer. Idea. Let's set the yeah. But like, but really getting checking in on what the emotion is you're feeling. Or if you do it at the end of the day. Reflect back on when you noticed the biggest emotion came up. If you if you can remember, yes. sometimes for ADHD years, our working memory is pretty bad. We're like, I don't know. But so sometimes right. I just do it in the moment. But if you if you're able to think back to earlier in the day, when did you feel most dysregulated? Can you bring that up and and be with it if it's small? That's yeah. really good. The other thing is, so if you set your alarm, you can notice what part of my body is talking to me right now. Maybe you don't know what the feeling is. Yeah. I think it's important we can name feelings. I also think just like if I did a quick body scan from head to toe, I could notice, oh, I actually have some tension in my mm-hmm. gut. Oh, my jaw is really tight right now. Oh, I notice my shoulders are up around whatever. I think we can just notice that. And even that noticing gives that body part some attention. Mm-hmm. It can allow it to like, oh, kind of release or maybe we then even get up and do something, right? Maybe we do one of these tools we've talked about. It's like, oh, I actually do notice that I'm a little bit tense and a little agitated. Maybe I'm going to give myself a two-minute dance break. That sounds fun. And I'll say too, with your point of when you hear the alarm go off, uh, I know for myself and many of my clients, what comes up is resistance. I don't, no, I don't want to. Oh my gosh. I don't want to do this. I'm in flow. I'm doing this thing over. Like, I don't want to stop and feel my feelings. This is stupid. Be with that feeling. What's that going on? Right? What's that resistance about? And you don't even have to think back. Just do whatever the resistance is to doing the exercise. It's right there for you. Do you know where you feel your resistance? I mean, I felt it as you were describing it. sternum. Yep. Yep. And and it's like a pushing back. It's like, totally. Yeah. Oh yeah, that one came right, right there. It's just like, as you said it, because I literally, I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that. That's dumb. (laughs) Even though it's like a great idea. And just, I think too, like emotions can also have uh, psychological parts with them, right? So who's, who's that? 
who's that part that's like, that's dumb. I don't want to do that. Like, what are they doing there? What's their job? Why don't they want to do that? Because your system doesn't want to change. Yeah. Our system does not want to be different. Our subconscious is like, I am fine. We are getting the job done. Thank you very much. And all of the things that we're talking about are again, asking our system to be a little different. And that's a, that's a big ask of our subconscious. So just to really honor the parts that come up, right? That resistant part is playing a role. In my mind, it's a he right now. Like, it's like, no, thank you. We don't need to do dumb things. We just need to get work done. Like it's this real, like, yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, I see you there. I see that. I get it. It's okay. It's okay that you're there. We're going to go ahead and check. It's all right. Oh, I love that. So good. This has been so, so much fun. We just gave a ton of great tips. I think we explained things really well. I'm going to tell myself a good story on the back end of this one. Indeed. Um, I'm going to share all your information so people can find you if they want to. Paula's wonderful. Great podcast. Great Instagram. Really fun stuff. Is there anything you want to say? Anything you want to close with? No. Thanks for having me. This is super okay. fun. I really appreciate being here. This and yeah, was... if anyone wants to hang out, I'm, you know, on my podcast, it's yeah. I'm busy being awesome. My Instagram is at I'm busy being awesome. Um, let's let's hang out. Let's connect. Paula is busy being awesome. I can attest to that. <laughs> that is true. Okay. Thanks for being here. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, thank you so much for being here. This week's show notes are chock full. Everything for the confidence workshop is there. Paula's links are gonna be there if you wanna connect with her. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed sharing it with you. And I'll be back next week.